Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast. This is episode 45. Today we're talking to Martina Slarova and I saw Martina talking on, well, actually she wasn't talking very well because she was struggling with her audio in Clubhouse, but I reached out to her on Instagram and said, would you come on the podcast with with us? And she said, yes, of course. Um, it was only after that that I found out that she'd um, and I'd already organised to speak to Nick Norvitz that I found out that they'd done the book together. So that came afterwards. So that was really interesting. And they just happened to be one episode after the other. So, Louise, why don't you tell us a little bit about Martina? Martina is a health and food blogger, mobile app creator and best-selling author of 10 cookbooks. She holds a degree in economics and worked in auditing, but has always been passionate about nutrition exercise and photography. In 2011, Martina was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid. She had no energy and found it more and more difficult to maintain a healthy weight. She decided to quit sugar, grains and processed foods and started following a whole foods-based ketogenic approach to food to manage her autoimmune condition. She now has been following a low-carb diet for over a decade. So let's go and have a listen to our interview. Welcome, Martina, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And we always start with where in the world are you? Um, So I I live in the UK, but I'm from the Czech Republic where I spent most of my life. And now we live in Kent in the UK. Ah, excellent. Not far from me then. So... Tell us a little bit about how you got started on your journey, because I know it was for health reasons. And who was the one person, podcast, book, thing that that sort of led you towards low-carb keto? So I started following a low-carb diet in 2011. Uh, That was when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's uh, hypothyroidism. And back then I didn't know much about low-carb or uh, keto or paleo. And I read a book from a British author, Dr. John Briefa, called Escape the Diet Trap. And this is how I actually first learned about low-carb eating. And then I started Googling and I went to YouTube. I found Gary Tobbs and all the other authors. And I was really interested in this way of eating because I realized I could use it for so many uh, things. I was struggling with uh, weight gain as a side effect of Hashimoto's. I had this constant fatigue, so I was always tired. Uh, Sometimes I would sleep 
um, 11, 12 hours and I woke up and I was still tired. It just felt like I had this massive hangover every single day and I couldn't understand why it was. So I went back to my doctor and what happened is he just uh, prescribed a higher dose of uh, the medication I was taking and said, you know, you just have to exercise more and eat less and everything will just sort itself out. Well, that didn't really happen because I listened to him. I started working out more. I went to gym uh, at some point every single day. Sometimes I spent one to two hours at gym. Um, that only led to more exhaustion. So I was even more tired. I ended up eating more. Uh, there was no weight loss. And I just felt like I had to do something more than just what, what the uh, conventional medicine was uh, advising me to do. So uh, I started following a low-carb diet and instantly after just a few weeks, I noticed a big difference in my appetite. So I realized that I don't feel hungry. I don't have to, um, I don't have to snack and I felt much better. My energy levels improved um, and I slowly started losing weight, which was the first time, the first thing that actually worked since I went, uh, since, since I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So, uh, this, this really changed many things for me. And, uh, I, back then I, uh, was working in audit, in financial audit, and I really didn't like my job. And I had this crazy idea and I told my partner, you know, maybe we should create an app. Uh, maybe we should create an app with recipes and maybe help people track their food on a low carb diet because uh, I knew what I was struggling with. I thought, you know, I could take what I've learned and maybe I could apply it to the app. So uh, my partner back then was uh, creating games for iOS and Android. So it wasn't too difficult for him to actually uh, do something like that. So it was the perfect combination of skills for us. Uh, so we we started with the app, then we went to create the blog where I started sharing recipes and my experience with low carb eating. And this is, this is pretty much how it all started. So this was actually in the UK. You were living and working in the UK at this time. Uh, so back then I was uh, working in Prague. We were living in the Czech Republic for about two years, uh, but we always knew we were going to uh, come back to the UK uh, because my partner spent uh, over 20 years here. He, he's Greek. But he uh, he moved to the UK to uh, study and he stayed in the UK and then he just moved with me to Czech Republic for a while uh, because I, I found a job and it was it was a job decision. Um, so so when we when we started working on the app, it was still in Czech Republic. But when we moved, the main uh, most most of the work we have done uh, happened in the UK. Because I think it was 2019, I was sitting next to your husband at the PHC conference and there he was on his laptop and he was coding. And yes. I thought, oh, he was a clever man. So I couldn't help but see because he was busy coding, multitasking, and there he was coding away on, on something, you know, behind the scenes. And I, I looked over and I was just like, oh, fangirl moment, there you were, sitting in the in the audience and... um yeah, so that was my 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 brush with fame with Martina. So um, <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. So it really is um, 
And you're well now with your with your particularly with your thyroid levels. Uh, so it, um, there has been some trial and error because I tried different approaches. First, I actually I didn't go strict strict keto. I started with paleo, so I was still uh, eating foods like um, sweet potatoes. I was sweetening my my uh, desserts and breakfast meals with honey. And I did notice a difference because I went completely gluten-free and that was the main, uh, that was probably the most important thing that I have done that really made a difference. But I still couldn't lose the excess weight. So my energy levels improved, but I couldn't lose weight. And I realized I have to drop the carbs even lower. So I completely removed any nutritive sweeteners. I started using low-carb sweeteners. And I uh, stopped uh, eating sweet potatoes and all the high, higher carb uh, vegetables. And that's when I noticed uh, a big difference. I lost weight, the excess weight. Uh, it wasn't too much. It was about six kilos, I think. Uh, but I'm quite petite, so I could feel it and I, I didn't feel comfortable. And I lost it in something like three months. So it wasn't really fast. It was slow for me. Um, but eventually it happened and um, then I tried a lower carb approach. I went almost zero carb uh, and I'm not sure if, the, if, if it was because I had thyroid issues, but for me that wasn't the approach to follow. I actually started feeling worse and I started struggling with my diet. I had cravings and I started being tired again. So uh, I increased my carbs a little bit again to about 30 grams of net, which is where I'm now. And that, that's, that's the sweet spot for me. It definitely doesn't work the same for everyone. Some people do really, really well on a very low carb diet. Some people need to add a few more carbs just to feel good. So, and you're still tracking? Do you still um, track every day? So when I started following uh, keto, it was really difficult for me and I was tracking every single day everything I was eating. Uh, now I've been following keto for over a decade. So I do track occasionally just to get uh, an idea of where I am. Uh, but I don't do it every day because I by now I learned the ideal carb intake for me and I don't have to even count carbs. I know I'm staying every day below uh, 30 grams net. Uh, but I would definitely recommend to everyone who started, starts following a low-carb diet to track because it is difficult. It's easy to go over. You're absolutely right because I, I know that when I first started and I was um, you know, I was tracking and it isn't, it is a feedback process. It is that sort of feed forward feedback, you know, in terms of your decisions that you're choosing foods based on, yes, I'm going to stay below, um, 20 grams or 30 grams or whatever it is a day that, that's your, your, your sweet spot, as you said. And then obviously the tracking helps to inform those, those choices. And it's interesting because when I have undertaken, say, six weeks, and I'm I'm doing something different, and I want to, you know, measure uh, a particular intervention, such as a higher protein or lower fat. Going back to tracking is really informative. It, it is really beneficial in terms of working out where those sneaky carbs are coming in, or those higher protein. Particularly, I was focusing on higher protein at that time where the higher protein is in terms of where it fits in my macros it is an interesting tool 
to to your toolkit, you know, in terms of tracking your progress. And just for the listeners that may not know, what is the app that you've designed? The so, name of the um, app. We called it the Keto Diet app. Keto Diet is uh, one word, uh, an app. And the website is ketodietapp.com. I see it comes up on my on my phone all the time in <laughs> all ad- the time. adverts. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got this question because I'm not very good at tracking and I want to understand how to do it better. So should or do you, not should I, do you sit down and plan out your meals for the next day and put it all in the app and then you stick to that? Or do you weigh things as and measure them and put them in the app as you go along? Uh, so it depends. Uh, this is actually interesting because we we were running polls about this because I, I didn't, we didn't know, do people prefer to track or do they prefer to plan? So there are two types of people. For some people, it really doesn't work to plan ahead because they always change their idea of what they want to eat or maybe the portion size, they want to adjust it. So they don't want to spend time planning. Uh, and then there are people who prefer to plan. And what we did actually in the last update, which is now on iOS only, but it will soon be on Android, we created something called a custom diet plan builder, where people can specify um, their macros, their targets, uh, what they want to achieve, uh, food preferences. They can say, I don't like this food to be included uh, in my diet plan or I want this food to be included, I want to skip breakfast, or I want to skip dinners. So we have some preferences that they can select. And then what we do is we go through over, um, I think now we have about 1,500 recipes, and we try to build a diet plan specifically for their needs, uh, which when when the diet plan is built, they can always go and change meals. If they don't like uh, certain recipes, they can always uh, substitute them. So we, we did this for, for people who prefer to plan. And it's probably the best way because it is, uh, if you plan ahead, if you just try to put things together, it's not always easy to fit in your macros. And you will always go slightly over or slightly under. So we just wanted to make it easier for people to do that. I personally prefer to track, uh, but if I, if I, if, if say I wanted to lose a few pounds, it may be better to plan and maybe then adjust depending on the day if I, if I slightly change the meals. Um, so it, it really depends on uh, individuals. It's really interesting because you see that question all the time in Facebook groups, you know, I need a meal plan, you know, what are you eating and that sort of thing. But to have at your disposal 1,500 recipes and the design of the, the app to sort of generate that for you based on your requirements is, is an absolute godsend. It just takes all that decision making. But it's interesting that you sort of characterize, you know, are you a planner or a tracker? I, you know, I'm more a planner. I mean, I definitely know that I'm going to hit these particular protein, starting with protein first, and then everything else is, you know, the flavor profiles for for that is 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 secondary. But certainly, pork, chicken, beef, and a fish normally, yeah, on high rotation. But certainly, having having at your disposal 1,500 recipes is is absolutely great. But just going back, um, it occurred to me. 
did you sort of think or reflect on why that zero carb didn't work for you? You said you felt flatter and yeah, it wasn't working for you. What what is it that about? Uh, it somehow affected my energy levels, and I weirdly. Uh, when I was tracking, because uh, th this was the time I was still trying to figure out my diet, so I was tracking back then religiously every single day, and I realized my energy intake went up, which is weird, because for most people, when they go almost zero carb and, um, you know, they increase their protein, they, they usually go down a little bit. But for some reason, my energy intake went a little bit up, and uh, I can't explain why that happened, but for me, going below 20 grams of total carbs, which is the very strict approach, uh, it, it didn't work for me. And I've heard stories from people who have thyroid issues, and they were confirming the same uh, the same problem. So, so I, I'm I don't I don't think this is necessarily a given that everyone who has thyroid issues has the same experience. But I did have this experience and. I did confirm with others uh, that it's better to go a little bit, a little bit more uh, to twenty or thirty grams of net carbs. Yeah, I definitely remember our good friend Daisy Brackenhall from Keto Woman podcast. She certainly, I remember, she struggled on on zero carb when she was was trying that, and she also has um, thyroid issues as well. So. Yeah, you could be could be onto something there about um, needing to have a little bit higher carb intake for your particular condition. So you've now have your app, your blog, you're reaching out to to many many people in the community. How does that feel for being a a creator and a knowledge repository? <laughs> uh, very busy, definitely. Uh, for the last few years, uh, we had so many projects. Uh, we had an exciting project uh, last year. I was working together with uh, other people on a book. Uh, that was that was amazing. Uh, and most of the time now we're working on uh, app features that people want because we decided to really go one by one with what people want, mo want most. So we ran polls and the diet plans, for example, they were the number one feature they wanted to see. So that took about four or five months. It was it was a long time of coding for uh, for uh, my partner Nikos, uh, but it was totally worth it. And you know we're going to be improving the app even more. But uh, most of the time now, what we do, we focus on the app. Uh, cookbooks happen almost every year now. Uh, I think this was my tenth cookbook. So. We always keep busy with uh, cookbooks. And um, we have some other projects planned. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So for those listeners um, who know me, I don't cook, but I still have one of Martina's books, which I just got out today. But I must confess I've never done anything in it because I don't cook. But maybe I will start doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That must make a make a cookbook authors, you know, just cringe and cry. But yeah, and and I have got your books in. Well, some of them are here in here in Thailand with me, as well as most of them I've sort of left at home back in Australia. So um, yeah, I've left them in the good care of my some keto friends because I didn't want to sort of bring all my all my books with me, but I should have. I should have brought all my books with me. But, um, yeah, so your books did make Australia to the book, the bookstores there. So, um, yeah, 
very proud to, to have your books on them. in Thailand, just out of curiosity? Well, yes, I have. Yes, it in the land of rice and noodle choices, it is exceptionally uh, challenging, and I've focused mostly on protein. So making yeah. sure that my protein choices are well, re- the readily available protein choices are chicken and pork, and with some fish. Red meat is, I struggle with not having red meat, lamb and beef, because it's mostly frozen, imported and expensive. So, yeah, focusing on on that. So that's not to say that I can't have my cauliflower rice or, you know, the shirataki noodles, those sorts of things, if I want to make a pad thai or a similar sort of type of curry. So it is, keto here has been, it has been a challenge, um, to say the least. Um, so... But just today, I was wasting time um, when I should have been working, and I found a great keto like website that actually has a suppliers. I can actually get keto supplies through various. There's a Thai Amazon um, here equivalent, so I have found bits and pieces. But to find a one-stop shop was actually like whoa, mm. exciting. Going to bookmark that. Been to some keto cafes, which has been really exciting. Keto bakeries, so have found uh, the keto cheesecakes and other other delicious I, treats. I wouldn't have expected that. What they do well here is a pork scratching, so a, a similar type of pork scratching. So, I yeah, so they have a puffy, like a puffy pork scratching, which is absolutely delicious. And then a meaty, a meaty pork scratching. So that's a really great, a great thing. The thing that they don't do well here, obviously, is dairy. So that again is expensive and and sometimes imported. So I make my own. So I make my own yogurts and uh, fresh cheeses. So um, curd, curd cheeses. So um, yeah, which is good. It's good for me. I yeah. make my own bread. And um, yeah, so it's it's been a been a bit of a challenge to say the least, but a good challenge. So I feel like I'm a like my grandmother pioneering in the olden days, having to make things from scratch. But there could be a good collaboration here, Martina. Oh, I'm going to pitch a, a keto Thai cookbook. Oh yeah, um, I, I I can I cannot imagine. I mean, I think that would be that would be proper challenge. But I do love uh, Thai food. I mean, the types of meals I can have uh, because I remember when we were in Thailand uh, I love the food mm. the only thing is the problem is with the, the like with the street food as, as delicious as it is it's actually cooked in seed oils so That's I do true. notice for my my particular condition if I have too too much of the street food that's cooked in those seed oils particularly I, I start to get them yeah. you know flare-ups in chronic pain so um yeah that's that's sometimes the seed oils where. are even uh, worse than carbs and uh, you know that's that's why certain types I wouldn't say necessarily they're all dirty keto what you call dirty keto is bad because some people refer to dirty keto as you know having occasionally something uh, like a uh, like a burger without buns uh, every now and then and that's not that's not bad but some people would do this every single day and use seed oils and there's too much omega-6 and it's just really bad for you mm. absolutely 
Yeah, we had uh, Graham Phillips, didn't we, Jackie, and who sort of, I can't recall that particular statistic where he was saying that the seed oils stay in your system for how long? I think they have a half-life of three years. That's a long time. Yeah. It takes a stem. Which I love because that really makes, whenever I think of something, well, I might have something, I then think, hmm, that's going to stay in my system. And it's not a fat that we can use for energy. It's just it's just stored and quite toxic. So it does make you think. So, it, for example, mayonnaise here in the UK, all the shop-bought mayonnaise is not all. There are some that are made specially, but um, the mainstream mayonnaise is yeah. all have rapeseed oil and it's so easy to make your own i just make it in a minute and and then it's done okay it doesn't taste the same as that big make that we all (laughs) know and love but it's just as good have you tried walnut oil Uh, because that's what i use for mine it's it's not the best option the best option would be avocado oil or macadamia oil but in my opinion walnut oil really makes it taste very similar close to you know, the regular, regular mine yeah. we're used to. No, I'll make a note there. Yeah, I'm writing that one down. Um, where can I get walnut oil? But um, anyway, that's... Yeah. Um, you have to give it a go. Well, that's, that's very... You have to give that one a go. So I just want to go into your kitchen, Martina. So tell me all about your gadgets. Are you a, a kitchen gadget person? Have you got all the latest um, kitchen toys or...? <laughs> um. I I am, but uh, there is always a problem with space, uh, and every now and then I have to I have to make more space, and there is only so much space I can make. Uh, I actually remember when I was working on my slow cooker cookbook years ago, I ended up having three slow cookers because I was working on this book in winter, and in winter in the UK there is very little light available. And I literally had every day until three o'clock to take photos. So sometimes I had to cook overnight so I can take photos in the morning. And I had an instant pot and two slow cookers. So now I only have one slow cooker and one instant pot. And uh, I gave the third one uh, uh, to, to a friend. So that was sorted out. And I just made space for an air fryer. So that's my new gadget now. Um, and I've been using I've been using a food processor uh, that I bought over ten years ago, and I've been using the same one, so that that has uh, that has served quite well. But it, it does look a bit chipped after after so many years. Every now and then there is a little accident in the kitchen happening. But so. I can just imagine that this is a business expense, so you should be you should be proud to be acquiring <laughs> uh, all these different gadgets as well because it's it's you know it's definitely it's their medical equipment that's how I justify buying the sous vide <laughs> that sort of thing but I do actually have two two instant pots so um yeah I, I'm a bit of a gadget fiend as well so <laughs> it's for me it's gadgets and then uh Photo props. So I have so many plates and mugs and glasses, and uh, I could never give it to charity. That's the problem because I always have one or two of each. So even if I wanted to give it to someone to get, you know, rid of a few, uh, no one really wants them because I only have uh, like one or two pieces of each. So I keep collecting. <laughs> so if you if you 
often, I guess not always, constantly, but if you're often making recipes in your house, do you do you have a different food every day, or do you still have some of your favourites that you'll have every week or every couple of weeks? Um, we definitely have favourites uh, that I make every few days, uh, but mostly we have different food uh, every every day, every other day, because I'm testing new recipes. So the favourites would be usually Greek salad for a side. Um, we love Greek salad. My partner is Greek, and he actually taught me how to make it. One of the one of the recipes, um, and then we make quite often we make uh, fish dishes with it or uh, chicken. I like spatchcock chicken, uh, or sometimes we just make steak with hollandaise, asparagus. So we, there are there are favorites we have, and they are usually very simple meals that take just a few minutes to prepare, because everything else with testing and you know creating new recipes and developing it takes so long that at the end of the day I don't want to spend too much time, you know, to make uh, quick dishes. Uh, so I stick with favorites that really take just a few minutes to prepare. I can recommend a good book called Meals in Under 30 Minutes or Less. <laughs> Quick Keto. Yeah, that was, that was my favourite. That's favorite. really good. So is your partner on do, doing low carb as well? Does he eat low carb as well? He is. Uh, he's not always uh, as low carb as me and he doesn't have a problem with gluten, but he doesn't eat gluten just to kind of support me. Um, so, so we follow the same diet. Sometimes he would have a fruit or piece of fruit or something like that. So his carbs may be a little bit higher than mine, but, uh, more or less it's the same approach, same diet. And having visited Prague, you would have a great recipe for the hock, the, the pork hock. Oh, um, that's, to, to you mean pork knuckle? It's Pork it's, knuckle. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely delicious. It's actually the first thing. I have every single time I visit Prague, I always look for, okay, where, where is the pork knuckle? Because I really need it. And it's it's perfect for keto because it's uh, Isn't it? just meat and you can have, uh, usually they serve sauerkraut with it and then you can have a salad. So it's, it's, it's the perfect meal for keto. There may be a picture. I might have to put that on the on the show notes. Jackie is the the pork knuckle in Prague. We'd just been over to the Charles Bridge and walked into this little alley off of off of us through these big gates of the city and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, there may or may not be the Czech pilsner beer sort of out out of the picture, but the pork knuckle took took pride <laughs> of place. So, um, yeah, that was absolutely delicious. But that that's a really interesting thing about cultures ethnic cultures and how that plays a part in the food that we do want to eat and it i mean it's exactly my lived experience here that even though there's delicious curries and loads of chili and everything here that you can think of in terms of flavor profiles but i do tend to sort of have on high rotation those those comfort foods and when you sort of said about the slow cooker, it's like, oh, to feel cold. <laughs> Certainly, I haven't felt cold. Only when the air conditioning gets a bit, a bit too cold. Um, yeah, to to have that slow comfort food that reminds me of home. So that's that's a really important part yeah. of our meal planning. 
particularly? It's it's uh, I mean with with the slow cooker I use it a lot especially during the winter months and I make uh, meals. Some of the meals are actually inspired by what my mom used to make, and I think there is a recipe on the blog where um, it should be called pork and kohlrabi stew, and it's more or less what what she what she does. Uh, the only thing is that Czechs eat it with dumplings. And what I did instead, I added more vegetables. So I think there is, um, I'm not sure now because I'll have to go back to it. But apart from kohlrabi, I think I added some uh, courgettes, zucchini. So, you know, if you add vegetables, you don't actually need all those carbicides. So it's sometimes it's really easy to transform those favorites just by adding vegetables. I was just going to say my experience of Prague, my food experience of Prague was the dumplings and the and the lager. That's that's my experience. Everyone uh, remembers the dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> I do love dumplings. But that's an interesting connection as well because keto food is well, people criticize keto because it's so unsustainable and how can you not live without your bread and all those other good carb things? But here you are you're 10 years down the track you know how have you made this so successful for yourself for the longevity for the sustainability i have to admit something when i first switched to keto i didn't mind about not eating sweets and fruits and ice cream and cakes i I didn't even care about low-carb sweeteners back then what i really struggled with was the bread (laughs) so it took me about three months to completely say no to bread and not eat it uh, because I absolutely loved it. And Czechs are generally known for that. They, they just love their bread with everything. So what I did is, uh, after I completely uh, switched to keto and I didn't eat uh, eat any of those uh, foods like bread or uh, sweets, uh, fruits, uh, I just, one of the things I, I do, I keep my diet quite simple when I can. Obviously, when I work on recipes for the blog, I have to test different things. But apart from the work I do for the blog and developing recipes for the for books, I try to keep it simple. And that's probably the best approach for long term, because you don't want to be uh, always spending time in the kitchen and worrying about, oh, I have to eat this or I have to eat that or I've heard people saying, you know, I really hate avocados. I cannot have avocados. I know I should be eating them on keto, but I, I cannot. I, you know, I, I don't like the taste. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't really force yourself to eat something only because it's recommended or only because it's healthy. You have to find your own way. You have to customize your own diet. And if you don't like avocados, it's absolutely fine. Uh, so definitely don't think that what someone does as for keto is the only way. You have to find your own way that works for you in the long term. And if it means, you know, some people, for example, they introduce what they call cheat days. I personally don't recommend them. I think they kind of, you know, um, throw me off track and I I go back to my old habits and it's really hard for me to get back. Uh, But for some people it works and it may actually help them stay keto uh, long term. And when I say cheat days, I don't necessarily mean to have a day that you completely have everything that you cannot have, but maybe have an occasional food that you don't usually eat. Maybe add a sweet potato to your meal if, if uh, you know, if that 
if that's something you want. So uh, it doesn't mean lo being low carb or keto doesn't mean you have to be a hundred percent. Some people do. I, I don't want to completely generalize because if uh, if you do keto for health reasons or um, as the therapeutic kind of keto, where you have to really, really be strict and keep your carbs low for epilepsy or other health conditions. It's a different story. But if you do it just to uh, maintain a healthy weight and you want it as a long-term approach, you have to find something that you can do long-term and you don't feel like you're constantly struggling or you're missing something. Yeah, that I definitely relate to that. I think it's really interesting because we do look for those substitutions. You know, we have our cauliflower rice, we have our zoodles, we have obviously the sweeteners. We do gravitate to those things that help to replace, as you know, those things that you know, are comforting to us or where we don't feel like we're missing out. So it is obviously, as you said, keto your way is, you know, to do that. I know... I can't have those cheat days because uh, I think I've really realised now that it's that addictive elements in the food. Mm -hmm. So I can't moderate. I need to abstain. And that's that's where my rules are that I need to be able to, to say that's not going to help me and my goal and my journey. So exactly like eating the street food, as delicious as it yeah. is. You know, if I if I know that it's going to sit in my system, you know, for three years and help to inflame, to continue inflame and cause me pain, then it's not it's not the best choice for me. But Jackie is a moderator, so I'll let her sort of explain what that means to to her. Yeah, so I I can have things off plan. I could have a whole day off plan and then just get back on the next day. I. It does rate, it does bring up cravings and, and therefore I sometimes find it more challenging. So for the last few weeks, I've been 100% on plan with no, um, sweeteners. I've had no sweeteners. I've had no caffeine. I've had nothing. Um, and it is easier because it takes away that decision. Should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? So yeah, I find that a lot. It's a lot easier to just know you're not going to have it. But you do have to know yourself. You have to know because some people are very addicted to those foods and then it just, it's like alcohol, isn't it? You can't have that one drink or cigarettes and you can't have mm -hmm. that one cigarette. So for some people it's like that, but it, it's not like that for me. So I'm happy. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. Uh, there are certain foods that, uh, for example, sweeteners, for me, I if I... If I were to just follow the diet and didn't have to cook for the blog and create new recipes, I wouldn't actually use any sweeteners because I don't miss them. I end up making treats or desserts, if you can still call them that way, that don't have any sweeteners or are naturally sweetened with berries. So I make this panna cotta with just strawberries, cream, or sometimes I use coconut cream and gelatin. And maybe I add a little bit of vanilla and even a bit of vanilla can really add that sweetness and it's really nice. And I don't, I don't miss the extra sweetness from, uh, from sweeteners. So I think that this is, this is a side effect of keto, generally speaking, that as you do it, you will, your, your uh, palate will change and you won't crave all those sweets. And that's, that's the biggest ad advantage of, uh, 
of a low carb eat, of low carb eating, I think, mm. not missing those sweeteners and uh, carbs. So, if people are are having a are on a plateau, do you have any tips for them of what they could do if they want to start moving their weight down again? So there are definitely many things to look at. Uh, the first thing I would say is uh, look at your liquid calories because many people end up having way too many coffees per day and you know you can have four coffees and if in every single one of them you put one to two tablespoons of cream that's a lot of calories uh, so liquid calorie calories one of them uh, uh, then I would say maybe some people some people um, some people would say that snacking could be could be a factor and I agree with that so if you feel that between your main meals, which should be two to three meals per day for most people on keto, if you feel that you need to snack often, it usually means that you didn't have enough nutrition in your main meals. So look at your protein intake. Did it have enough protein? Because usually it's not the fat, but it's the lack of protein that can cause hunger issues. Uh, it could be fat if you're under eating, if you're not in, eating enough calories. And if you feel that you need to snack, you need to focus on making your meals more nutritious. Um, the other thing I would definitely say is, and people don't like that, but alcohol. Uh, alcohol, even when it doesn't have carbs, it still has calories and it can stimulate appetite. So even if you have a completely carb-free drink, you end up having sometimes these cravings and you end up eating more. So, and also, uh, alcohol has calories itself. So it, it's good to avoid it just for a while to see if it's going to help you break through. Um, and there, there are many other many other factors to consider. Like, uh, you shouldn't just look at your diet if you have if you have too much stress, if you don't sleep enough. You know, look outside of your diet because it's not always what you eat maybe your diet is squeaky clean maybe it's perfect but there are other things that would affect weight loss or how how you achieve it yeah i agree with all of those and louise will vouch that i'm always saying to her don't drink your calories look she's got her head in her hands now <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm uh, guilty of that too because i absolutely love my coffee and uh i do sometimes have two to three cups a day. So uh, what I learned, what I started doing, my partner absolutely hates it, but I use almond milk or cashew milk. And instead of regular coffee, I make um, rather, uh, I would describe it as a latte. It's, 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 uh, it's a lot of almond milk. I would use a cup or one and a half cups and then just add a little bit of coffee. If you, if you use too much coffee and not enough almond milk, it doesn't taste right. So you have to use a little bit more than that. Mm. Is it a store-bought? Is it a store-bought so, almond milk? So I, I, use, I use a brand that doesn't have uh, anything else than water and almonds in the ingredients list. Um, so I, I buy ready-made. Uh, you could make your own. I just think it's easier to if you have the option to buy. Mm. So 
Yes, Jackie is on. I have Jackie in my ear often. You know, she's echoing in my ear saying about drinking calories. So I I am down to two. So Jackie should be proud of me. I'm down to two coffees a day. So on the fasting days, they're black coffee (laughs) with a with a sprinkle of salt. And on the non-fasting days, I'm having having the dairy. Um, which we've cut down on cream. So we've obviously cream is expensive here. So we've cut down on the cream and we're sort of making it half and half-ish. So thinking about dairy and it's over-reliance in my in my diet for, for nutrition and wanting to go some dairy-free options. And I did buy the other day this little, it was cashew, I think, and a hazelnut and it's horrible <laughs> so i had to pour the coffee out it was absolutely terrible oh no so, definitely don't put hazelnut <laughs> it was like ugh. anyway so it was it was an interesting experiment i thought i'd give this a go because i have seen in some of the supermarket the western type supermarket aisles there are nut milks there but they're full of sugar and in the fridge in the fresh refrigerator section in the supermarket there's fresh soy and obviously i'm going oh is it gmo this sort of stuff but some of the soy is quite clean there's no sugars in it and then there's obviously the 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 very the very sweetened so i am looking for a an option i haven't quite found fresh ready-made say a nut a nut milk that is not sugar but being here, there's loads of coconut. So there's loads yeah. and loads and loads of fresh, fresh coconut. So I just no, don't know how I don't that like will the, go in my coffee. I don't like the canned coconut milk in my coffee because that just doesn't taste nice. Um, but if you if you can do fresh, surprisingly, that's not too bad. It actually tastes quite good. Uh, but it's it's... I don't make it really thick. I make it almost like uh, almond milk. So it's really diluted. There is a lot of water with the coconut. Sure. So you make? do you make your own coconut milk? Sometimes I do uh, when I want that liquid kind of coconut milk. If I want a creamy one for uh, like to substitute, uh, let's say, heavy whipping cream or mascarpone, I would use the one uh, that you refrigerate and then it thickens really nicely. But if, if I want the one that pours well, uh, I would use, I would just uh, take shredded coconut, unsweetened, blend it in a food processor with water, and then I would pour it through a sieve and I would have fresh coconut milk, which lasts usually for two to three days. So it doesn't last for long, but it's quite nice. It's tasty and it, uh, it's really nice in smoothies, if mm. you ever make smoothies in the morning. No. So... Last week we interviewed Nick Norvitz and he did the Keto Mediterranean cookbook with you. Um, tell us a bit from your side what that was like creating a book with Nick and another chef. Uh, so you've been you've been busy with that over the last yeah, year, haven't you? That that was an amazing experience. I never never did a cookbook before with someone else so this was the first time for me and obviously it was sometimes uh, hard to manage because it was the four of us and we also worked with a photographer and with a designer for the book so it was many people involved in the project 
Uh, but it was it was a great experience and it was an absolute delight to work with Nick. And I, um, when it comes to the recipes, what we did is we we decided together on the types of recipes. We also asked the people in the community that we knew that uh, may want to contribute something. So we have contributors in the in the cookbook, and we fine tuned every single recipe to to fit the style of the Mediterranean ketogenic approach that, that is outlined in the book. And I, uh, I then uh, spent, I think, three, four months uh, working on the recipes, uh, testing them. And uh, that, was, that was great. I mean, every single meal that we made, it was a favorite because it's, it's the way I've been eating for so long. And I wanted to write a book specifically about this type of diet for so long. So finally, I found uh, Nick, and or he found me, and then we started working together and created this amazing book. So uh, it's it's the diet that really represents. It's the approach that represents how I have been eating for for uh, quite some time, for a few years now. Mm, excellent. But I think the interesting thing that Nick was telling us was because he's got he's added the science flavor through it. So he was sort of saying how it's a not quite a typical cookbook because it's got the science yes. behind it. So say he was saying about the fish, you know, here's a fish recipe. This is why we need omega threes. So that gives that that context to why eating yes. Mediterranean style is and ketogenic is actually you know the science behind it so that's where he obviously brought his subject matter expertise into into the cookbook yes uh every single ingredient we used in uh, a recipe was justified we really thought about every single one of them so it wasn't just flavor we really focused on the nutrition and uh, that's how we we optimized the fat profile because that was big part of what we were doing we were trying to um, optimize the fat profile in every recipe to have minimum omega-6s and uh, to, to have more omega-3 fatty acids or monounsaturated fats or healthy sources of saturated fats. So we were really trying to decrease those uh, inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. Mm. Well, when I get back in the kitchen, when I get in the kitchen, I'll have to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> this is my challenge for 2021 is to cook more it's it's always uh funny when i i've uh, i've talked to a few people and uh, i realized many people don't really fo follow recipes exactly as they are outlined in the book uh, and i realized that i do that myself sometimes so i would i would uh i would find a recipe online uh years ago before I went keto and I never really followed it. And uh, it's funny to see that I'm doing exactly, I was doing exactly the same thing that sometimes people are doing now. So, you know, sometimes it's just, I can see how difficult it could be to follow something step by step, but I don't realize it because I've been doing it for so long. And for me, it's just a given. Yeah. Actually, I'm quite an obliger when it comes to recipes. I do follow them step by step. The only thing that I change is things like vanilla. I don't really like it. So I'll, Halve it or not put it in or something like that. But other than that, I'm quite an obliger when it comes to recipes. I find that very interesting because I was making a recipe the, or following a recipe the other day 
and I picked up nutmeg instead of cinnamon. And I told Jackie, oh, oh. I just made this recipe. And she goes, oh, I don't like that either. And it's just like just as well you're not having it then so <laughs> anyway but it's interesting because about following recipes and I think it's different for you Martina because you actually got the knowledge of flavor profiles and combinations and but for us regular folks at home in the kitchen following a recipe is you know we know intuitively that that's the reason the developer has done this this way is because this is going to optimize the best outcome so my partner says to me, are you following the recipe? Have you followed the recipe? And this sort of stuff. And it's just like, well, no, I don't want that. But, and this is the thing. This is, drives him nuts when he goes, well, why have you varied it? You know, make it one time and then vary it the next time as a, a bit of a quality improvement project. So, um, yeah, he's always criticizing me if I, if I change the recipe. Um, you know, sometimes it's okay. I mean, um if you if you have uh, recipes that are pretty much straightforward, you don't really have to follow them step by step. If you have, let's say, steak with hollandaise and asparagus, uh, most people kind of know how to do it already. They don't have to follow it step by step. But if you have a cake where, you know, slightly changing the ingredients can cause it to fall or being undercooked or overcooked, uh, you know, I think in baking, generally speaking, it's really important to follow a recipe step by step. Outside of baking, it's a little bit, uh, yeah, there is, there is space for, for errors because you won't notice them. So I find it quite interesting that you started out in your working life in finance and audit, and now you're being really creative and taking and doing photography and creating meals. How does that feel to you? Um, I think I've always been a creative person and for me it was really a big struggle to, to be working in finance. I mean there were certain aspects of the job I really liked uh, because I'm, uh, I'm a numbers person and I like you know to, um, to kind of uh, spend time analyzing things. So there were parts of my job that I really liked but some parts I didn't like. I didn't have that creative aspect you know creating something from scratch and changing it. So I I absolutely love what I do now. I would never go back to my previous job. Um, and I hope I can keep doing this forever. Yeah, you found your place. I was going to say yeah. that before, when you're working in, in finance and audit, you know, were you... Were you into cooking and creating uh, recipes yeah, that I've, way? I've always, I've always been into uh, cooking... Uh, Finding the perfect diet, I was always on some kind of diet because uh, I was always kind of struggling with weight, uh, but not in the eyes of others. I always felt like I have to be really strict to to be to, to make sure that I maintain a healthy weight. So I was working out a lot, um, and I I was always interested in uh, you know how can I optimize my diet for best results to be healthy and all that so I, I was always interested in this and I got to food photography which was the other the kind of creative part of it as a side effect uh, and that's what I that's what I realized I really love doing. Martina we're coming to the towards the end of the podcast and before we get to our last questions tell people how they can find you online. 
So anyone can find me on Instagram at Martina Slajerova and also there is an account specifically for our app, The Keto Diet App. Then they can find me on Facebook, uh, Pinterest, Twitter and of course uh, our website, ketodietup.com. Fantastic. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you. So it's really interesting now you're 10 years down the keto journey, having created blogs, content, recipes, cookbooks. And it sort of is interesting to, to ask our guests to reflect on, well, you know, what, what would you do differently if you were going to be starting keto again? Um, I think when I first started, so, which was more than 10 years ago, there wasn't uh, enough information back then. And I was quite struggling with a few things. The number one uh, advice I would have for anyone who starts uh, following a low-carb diet is to make sure they get enough electrolytes. This is so important. I didn't know about electrolytes when I started. Um, and I, I had some of those side effects of what is known as keto flu, which is what happens when you switch to a low-carb diet. You reduce your carbohydrates. And you can experience temporary symptoms like muscle cramps, fatigue, heart palpitations, which is what I experienced uh, when, when I first started. And it really terrified me because I didn't know what it was. And it woke me up in the middle of the night. I felt like my heart was pounding and I didn't know what was happening. And it's only that later I realized this is because I didn't have enough potassium and uh, magnesium and sodium. And these... Uh, these electrolytes are extremely important for anyone who starts following a low-carb diet and it can make things a lot easier. So what I do, what I recommend is to make sure that you include especially electrolyte-rich foods when you first start, salmon, uh, spinach or uh, generally leafy greens. Uh, another one I would definitely recommend is magnesium supplement. Uh, if you if you can, there are, there are many options, but if you can supplement magnesium, it makes things a lot easier uh, because you're likely not going to be able to meet uh, 100% RDA. Uh, don't be afraid to use salt in your in your meals. So add salt, uh, use bone broth uh, in cooking, or just drink it uh, because sodium will really help you get through any of those symptoms. Uh, so that's that's electrolytes. That's definitely my number one advice for people when they start. Um, the other, the other thing I wish I I I, I did differently is that I I wish I didn't spend too much time trying to fit all those so-called keto foods in my diet, and that I kept it more simple because I learned about low-carb keto eating and I realized, oh, okay, I have to eat uh, avocados, I have to eat almond flour, I have to use almond flour, and I used, have to use all of those all those foods in my diet. And it just got so complicated because I switched to this whole new diet and I really what I really needed back then was to keep it simple. And instead, I was trying to find all those alternatives I never heard before. I never used almond flour before. It was the first time on keto that I used it. Or uh, shirataki noodles. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be using these foods, but don't feel like you have to. You can keep your diet extremely simple. And this is actually the best way to succeed when you start keeping it simple. Um, and also make sure that you understand you will have to 
customize your diet. There isn't one keto way for everyone, uh, which means that uh, you may end up eating foods that others don't eat or are problematic for them. One of the examples is dairy. Some people would tell you, you have to go completely dairy-free when you go keto. It's not the case. It may not be the case for you. You have to try it yourself, see how dairy affects you, how it works for you. Um, and I also wish back then I was, uh, I, I was tracking because when I first started the first few months, I tried to do it just by, just by reducing my carbs, by eating foods that are low in carbs naturally. But that didn't work because back then I didn't understand how many carbs there could be in vegetables, for example. So on some days I would go over my carb limit a lot because I didn't realize that I cannot eat endless amounts of tomatoes or uh, endless amounts of uh, cauliflower even. Uh, I mean, if you add everything together and if you eat vegetables like root vegetables, which I thought were okay, but uh, in, in, uh, in some amounts you can eat them, but you shouldn't really go crazy with uh, root vegetables. So tracking is really important because it will, it will help you stick with low-carb diet. And um, it's definitely necessary when you start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we always ask for our, our guests for their three top tips. So would you have three other top tips or would you use those as some of your top tips? Um, those... Those are definitely my top tips to start. Um, I, I, if there are other tips, I would definitely say join a community when you start a low-carb diet. We have a Facebook group, so if anyone wants to join our Facebook group, we have a community there. It really helps you uh, keep accountable, and if you can see what others are saying, what others are asking, it may help you figure out what you're doing wrong. And... Generally speaking, being part of a community really helps you uh, be in that right mindset and not be discouraged by others because what happens when you switch to low-carb or keto, you will have friends and people telling you, you cannot do this, it's not good for you, uh, it will cause heart attack and you will, you will, you will get all these uh, people telling you, you shouldn't be doing that. So it really helps to connect with like-minded community. Great. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I think it'll be be great for Jackie to get back in the kitchen and start yeah. um, start cooking. I mean, I'm already there. So, um, yeah, really enjoy, enjoy cooking and creating. And it's been such a pleasure being talking to you. And we wish you, well, hopefully the sales will be strong and we'll put a link in the show notes for the Mediterranean ketogenic cookbook. Thank you so much. It was, it was great talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, Jackie, Martina is absolutely lovely and what a great inspiring guest to get you back in the kitchen. Yeah. Or even just get me in the kitchen. I did cook the other day. I made supper for Ben and I. We had fillet steak with mushrooms and asparagus and a cream sauce. Sounds delicious. Where was my invitation? You were asleep. Oh, I know. That old chestnut. <laughs>
But it is, it's, it's an interesting thing how we have had so many guests, you know, have that have their lived experience. And as Martina's experience was obviously the autoimmune condition for her thyroid, that seems to then inspire and they, they move, they move into something, you know. Last week we heard Dr. Nick, you know, he's, he's been moved into, into medicine with a, obviously with a, renewed figure we've had other guests that have you know created or their passion in coaching for instance but this is something different this is something completely different in terms of you know creating the blog and the app and and the cookbooks it's really inspiring that she's taken her passion for nutrition exercise and photography to the next level it's it's really great i mean we had dan and erica they they do similar sort of thing so but yeah absolutely right thank you for reminding me (laughs) i love that i love that we can do that because we're doing the same thing with you know we're taking the podcast and getting it out there so that i think what we're all trying to do is give people options options that they can improve their health options that they have control uh and that they're not a slave to pills or a slave to food i think it's really empowering for people to understand that they can make changes and feel the benefits and not forgetting our previous guest um jen who was the movie producer so she was you know obviously motivated to produce not a cookbook but a bit of movie that is another tool you know and that's exactly what you're saying We're, we're giving people options for resources and information whether it is a, a tracking app or a cookbook or a, a movie documentary to, to be able to share with people. Yeah. I would say a lot of our guests have then taken this step to do something different. Even people like Audrey Boyle from episode number four, I think it was, um, who's an ambassador for the PHC. So we've had quite a few ambassadors for the PHC. And we've had doctors that are giving it out in the, in their guise as GPs. So we, I think lots of our, our guests have found this way and then, as I said, give, give people options. So one of those options was the Mediterranean Ketogenic uh, Cookbook by, uh, by Martina, as well as she co-authored that with um, Dr. Nick. And I do believe that there's, there's two, two other co-authors which after recording with her, I bought the Kindle. Um, and obviously that was just the best option for me in terms of shipping and because I wanted it straight away. So, um, yeah, it was actually really good. And what I really liked about the, the book, and it's a, a strong feature, as she said, is the science. And the science goes in each sections uh, to tell you about the nutrition of the food. Obviously, at the front of the book is the the aspects of, about um, you know what is keto and its application to to health. Mm. So each section then goes through parts of the nutrition as well. So easily accessible, certainly on Kindle. I was looking at it on the on my Kindle app. So there'll be some obviously some new recipes for for me to try, Jackie. Yeah, you'll have to post them in the Facebook group. That's a really good reminder, Jackie. What's what's the name of our Facebook group again for the listeners? So it's um, just go on to Facebook and search 
um, fabulously keto or fabulous uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fabulously keto and where can our listeners get the show notes for this episode so the show notes will be at www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero four five so it'd be really great to see some listeners in our facebook group and we're trying to as martina suggested build a community so you'd be more than welcome to to join the facebook group absolutely it would be great if you could support us through patreon go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish can you recommend a guest we can interview if you can click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag tfkp all the links are on the website and in the show notes if you haven't subscribed to the podcast click the subscribe button reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform we appreciate you taking the time and read them all disclaimer The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.